0: do the justice, like do the right thing. And I wrote like a three-page email to Fetcher Johns. Um, I was really hurt. I was crying while I was typing the whole letter. I felt like even God is hurt the way people treat people. And I wrote this email. Um, I sent it to my brother-in-law who is in Melbourne, and he's like, this is America, me. It's not going to work out. Just don't send it. But I I was like, it's okay. It was a very emotional email. And as a fashion consultant, I was like, if you dress up, then people treat you nicely. If you're not dressed up, people judge. Um, And then after three days, I I didn't get any response. Every time I wake up, I check my emails. Um, But God led me really nicely, step by step. And I felt like I'm supposed to get in touch with the general manager, so I checked, for, look for his email in LinkedIn, but I couldn't get through to him, but then I got a call from his secretary saying that he needs to speak to me, um, and then they said, can you please come back to the dealership? Uh, we are going to do everything we can to make sure that wh- which car do you like, and then I picked a car for 23000 which is out of my budget and I'm like but I know that God is going to make it happen because he planted this seed in me and I know it's time and I was like this is the car I want and then when I went they put a sticker saying it's sold but I didn't have the money I didn't have a loan approved uh, but it, my name was on it and it said sold so I went home and I was like it's okay, I'm going to just wait. Uh, not really wait, no, I didn't say that. I was. I called the banks to see whether they can get a loan approved for me, um, but nothing worked out. But then I had a dream next day, and I just felt like it was a very long dream, but it said wait, just W-A-I-T, wait, and I took my hands off the whole thing. Um, and exactly after a week, they said, you can come and collect the car. We got the loan approved. I don't know how everything worked out. Even when I see the car right now, I'm like, this can't be mine. Like, this is, this is too good to be true. But I just want to encourage, like, if you're going through, like, a car or a house or a, anything you're looking for, just wait. Sometimes when we take a step back, when we take our hands off from the whole situation everything just work out because I had a vision, Jesus sitting with people and doing paperwork. So sometimes we need to take our hands off the whole situation for it to come to pass. Yeah, so he's good.
1: Does any, hold on, hold on real quick. Does anybody need like a breakthrough in like a car, a job or something like that? Raise your hand. Cool. Should we just pray over them
0: I don't know how to play, it's not, it's but...
1: Yeah, you too, come on. As as <laughs> yeah. A
0: car? Cars, a cars. A, a car. You have something in your heart you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because he told me to choose. I had a lot of options and I didn't know how to choose. So, okay, so I was a Buddhist before, so I don't know a lot of scripture and all this lot of stuff, but my prayers are very simple, Um, but the way you blessed me and where you planted that little seed in my heart, and I know that for everyone here, you have planted seeds, houses or businesses or cars or private jets or even islands or anything they need in their lives and it's planted that seed is planted that's from you and when the time is right they will have it they will they will have it your inheritance lord that's good Amen. So good.
1: Ah, uh, come on. I just want to just keep seeding. You guys, there's an amazing harvest happening in, from the Lord. Um, how many of you guys were here last week for uh, uh, for Andrews? It was fire. It was so good. I loved him. I got a chance to go out there. We went to tacos after the taco stand. I want to start sharing testimonies of salvations and things like that. But it was really cool. So we we went out and we just got tacos we ordered and Andrew if you get around the dude he literally just walks this stuff out daily so he's just like we're getting tacos and this you know 21 year old guy is like behind the counter and you know and, and he's like hey did you know that Jesus loves you and he died for you so that you would be uh, that you would have salvation and it says something like that basically just that simple and the guy looks at him and he goes yeah okay thanks thanks a lot man I appreciate that and so we are like, all right, man, well, hey, thanks for, the, thanks for taking an order. And we go to sit down, and we just hang out and chat for about 30 minutes. About 30 or 40 minutes into our night, this kid comes over to our table and stands over it. And there's no waiters. We've already got our food. We're already eating. And he stands over this. And he says, hey, sorry to interrupt you guys. Can I ask you a question to Andrew? And he goes, yeah, go ahead. He goes, do, do you say that to everybody, or did you feel like you were just saying it to me? And I'm just thinking, like, what a great question. Something happened in this guy. Like, something happened. And so Andrew's like, well, bro, when I, and he basically just says, when I was 19, I was addicted to this, this, and this, and I was sleeping around and doing all this stuff. And someone told me that Jesus loves me and has a plan for my life. And everything changed when I gave my life to him. And so that's why I asked, I asked you, I told you that Jesus loves you. And so we just start, it's just a little brief moment there, and we just ask him, does he have a church he goes to and stuff? Anyway, I've given him my number, and we've been texting, but like, that's it. Oh yeah, so he he says, "Because before you guys walked in, I had stepped away from the register, and I'm going through some stuff, and so I was just saying, for the first time in a long time, I said, God, help. And then come, here we come in, and we're just like, does Jesus, you guys... I'm going to be a little bit of a broken record, but can I encourage you guys, anytime you go to a cash register, you just just say this. You don't have to share your life story. You don't have to like prophesize or whatever that word is. You, you, just, you just say, hey, did you know that Jesus loves you? And they might say, no. They might say, go to hell. They might say, whatever. I don't know. But just, just drop that seed in there. They might come find you at the table and say, why did you say that? Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine if, like, all the Christians in Orange County started doing that? You wouldn't be safe behind a register anymore. But you know what I'm saying? It doesn't take a couple powerful evangelists. It just takes us planting seeds. And finally they're going to say, would somebody, would people just stop telling me about Jesus? Yeah? Okay, that's all I wanted to say. Honestly, Jess and I did it a few times. We did, I did it at Roger's Gardens the other day. It's just fun. And it's only scary the first four times. Okay? After that, it just, just a little bit, I I want (laughs) to, I want to let Micah preach. But this is something God's been showing me. Honestly, this harvest thing, I, I feel like the vision for this church going forward, is we're creating a place that attracts his presence. And, and that we're going to see his harvest. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. I love what Andrew said. They didn't ask what the second one was. They were just happy. They were just happy loving the Lord. But God said, no, I, I want you to love your neighbor. I want you to go love these people. And so I just feel like we need, we're on a mission. You can join us or you can go somewhere else. But we're on a mission to actually love the people in front of us. And not just the ones inside your house. All right? And I'm going to set the bar real low. Just cash registers, okay? Just cash registers. you got to buy something anyway. You don't have to tip them a lot. You don't have to double the bill. You just tell them Jesus loves you and that's enough, okay? It's not cliche. They've never heard it. Hawkins, go ahead. You want? I'll come down there, bro. You're worth it. Let's go.
2: Uh, Sorry, Michael. I'll be quick. Um, I just wanted to share something that popped in my mind. We don't always have to like say Jesus loves you. Sometimes it's just the way we act. And I was at an event uh, like a couple weeks ago, and I was just going about what I do and talking to people and. It was a, an event for National Philanthropy Day and so there were a lot of people in Orange County that were philanthropists that were there and uh, we were there for through my foundation that I'm a part of and I was leaving and one of the servers, like, of all people came up to me and, and was like, oh, there's like I don't remember what he said exactly but he said, like, there's something different about you and I just wanted to, to come talk to you and I was like, yeah, it's Jesus and he's like nice to meet you, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, that just, uh, yeah, that just, I think it's important that, yes, it's important to, to talk to people, but sometimes yeah. what we do and how we act is more powerful. So just think about that. Yes, come on. Or well, I just say as powerful, or it is, it
1: listen, there's no, there's no rule book on this stuff. You just find out what, what comes out of you and And just keep doing it until it becomes normal. All right. Um, Amen. Do you guys? Can I just ask your permission? Can I just keep telling us to do this? Can I just keep poking you, poking us? I'm poking myself, you guys. I just, to me, I I burn for this. You know. One last thing. This, this, and then I'm totally gonna let the mic drop. Um, I, I asked. I asked Andrew. Andrew, I don't like outreaches. I don't like them. They're weird. They're weird. They're not normal. I don't. I, I have a family. I have four kids. I don't have time to do outreaches. I'm sure I do, but I don't feel like I do. And I just don't like them. They're not normal. I feel like everything about our Christian faith should be part of our normal life with Him. Now, some people, the, the, the outreaches—that's God's called them into that. But most of us are not called to do outreaches. If how do I know this? Because you're not at them, right? You would just naturally find your find an outreach and go to it, but you don't. You find yourselves in front of cash registers. So. My, so I said, what do we do with that? And he goes, you know, and he said something, and I don't think it's about the outreach, but it's, it's something really specific, and you can, I changed my mind. You can go. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> the Lord was doing something else. I didn't change my mind. Shimmy and all that stuff was just fire, and I, just, I got on this thing. Um, he said this. He says, you know, you know his, his brother it, t- um, got him into self-defense classes, and so he said when he took these self-defense classes, every time he's, they put a plastic knife in front of you. And every time you do that, he slaps it away, right? They teach you how to slap it away or something like that. Like, right? Every time, he's like, right? And so they used to do it a hundred times. And before, and he says his brother, one time his brother came over, and he's just so into the self-defense stuff. He's got black belts and stuff. And so he pulled the knife out just to do some cutting or something like that. Andrew did, and his brother, like, tried, like went into some move to slap it away. And his brother says, bro, I'm so sorry. I'm just, literally, it's just in me now. I just, it's just what I do. And I thought about that. What if it was just in us? What if we had practiced this thing over and, what if we trained to see the lost saved? Do you know what I'm saying? What if it just, it just, what what if pulling out $5 to give to somebody the need just became normal? What if, what if pulling out a $100 bill became so normal? It's just what you did. And someone might say, wow, that's amazing. And say, I don't know, it's just what I do. What if saying, can I pray for you? Is there anything that I can pray lift up for you? Hey, I heard you talk about your mom a second ago. Can I pray for her right now? What if it was so normal? But how does something become normal except that we, we practice it? So all that to say, I'm going to keep urging us to practice And I don't want anybody to feel guilted into it. I don't want you to feel like you're a bad Christian if you don't. You're well loved. You're well taken care of by the Father no matter what you do. But I'm going to keep doing that. Is that all right? All right. And if I stop, you hold me accountable Says Jesse, you said you were going to do this. All right? All right. Amen. Amen. Micah, get up here. I'm going (laughs) to...
3: Oh this is great. What a great day. Well Father, we just love you. Oh God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this in this church, in this family, in our houses, <laughs> from cars to healed relationships, to healed hearts, to healing cancer, to everything you're doing, God, and even consoling us in brokenness. Father, we love you so much. You're so amazing, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this season uh, here in our community. I'm just going to pray for your homes right now. Father, I just pray that you'd manifest your presence in every person's home, Father, in this community, and even those watching Jesus that are living somewhere else right now. Lord, we just pray, God, for your presence to just come, to manifest, to change situations, to change attitudes, <laughs> to write perspectives, to help us to see things rightly, Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Well, I didn't get to come last week. I keep hearing really good stories, but I was in—I was in Illinois. Um, for those of you that don't know, I've coached water polo on the side of pastoring for almost 15 years for fun. It's—it's it's almost like a volunteer thing. It's not volunteer, but it's almost. And um, and then last, you know, last week we won our championship uh, NCAA conference champions. Isn't that fun? And, uh, and next week, next week we're playing UCLA on Friday and, um, Jesus pray for us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, there's only eight teams in the country that get to go, uh, to this, to the NCAA championships. And, um, we somehow got to be one of them and it's the school's third year ever having that sport. Isn't that crazy? I think it's miraculous. I really do. Two years ago, they only won three games out of like 26. And uh, this year, they had an amazing year. Isn't that fun? Isn't that awesome? Anyways, Uh, by the way, I I love these, even the analogies that Pastor Jesse was just saying about um, practicing our faith. It hits home for me, I think, obviously, as as a coach, too. Um, but it really is true, and I, I was reminded. I always tell the boys, you know, we had some games this year. It was my first year at Biola helping them, and um, and I remember telling them we were doing certain things. My dad had come watched a game, and my dad said, you know, they 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 do the right thing, and, and they're do, they're getting all these opportunities, and they're right in front of the goal, and then they're wide open, and they get the ball, and then they miss, you know, and they do something, and I and, and it kept happening, and I said. I said, well, that's okay. I thought, you know, the first thing you have to do is actually know what to do. And then the second thing you have to do is getting good at it. You can never be good at doing the right thing without knowing the right thing to do to begin with. So step one is actually getting the good opportunities or getting to the place you should be in. And then, and then maturing and getting very good at being in that place. Does that make sense? And I think that totally aligns with our lives. You know, it's hard to live a supernatural, righteous life. Righteousness is supernatural. Okay, okay. Righteousness is supernatural. Loving people is supernatural. It really is. It's simple, but it truly is supernatural. Rarely does a man die for their enemies. And Jesus says, Love as I have loved you. (laughs) it's supernatural you get what I'm saying and the and the first thing we have to do as Christians is we have to understand how do we even live out this Christian life we talk about walking by the spirit like if we all wrote a one-page paper what does it mean to walk by the spirit how many of us would sit there at that you know writing the paper and just go I don't know what to say after the first sentence you get what I'm saying And yet we not only have to understand the concept of walking by the Spirit, understand the concept that he's made us the righteousness of God in him, understand the concept that the Holy Spirit dwells in us as Christians, that he's given us power and life. testing. There we go. Um, the funny thing is, every time I feel like there's something really good to say, my microphone goes out in this building. Really. I, I think it's funny, because every time that happens to me, I actually don't, it doesn't even phase me. To me, it's actually a sign. I'm like, this is a really, like, it's actually something we should actually swallow. Um, um, but we're, we're in this place where we need to learn first, how do we live, how do we live out this life? But then if you, only, if you just know it, then you're just some academic kind of person that never really lives it out. And then really, what do we become, like, a Pharisee? Who wants, a, who wants to be that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to just have all the head knowledge and know, a, know. If you just know everything in here, but everything in here is not living through you, what are we doing? You don't want to look pretty on the outside, on the inside, be dead man's bones. You know, we don't want to be whitewashed tombs and be and, and like, wow, it's so beautiful, you know. But on the inside, we're dead. God forbid. That's not for us. And if we feel like it, there's hope. Jesus wants to make us so alive from the inside. From the inside. And I love all the words happening today. These, these ideas of gazing at him, not looking from to our left or to our right but seeing him. I was thinking of this passage. Um, I'm going to turn there. This is in 1 Kings chapter 20. You guys know the story about Naboth's Vineyard? <laughs> Anybody? No? There's a couple of people. Some of you are like, that's my favorite story. No, I've never heard that. Uh, Naboth's Vineyard. So there was... Um, There was a king, I want to backtrack, I love the testimony that Shamalka just said about the car and things like that, and even the concept of, you know, your father, your father in heaven, and and you said a word, you said inheritance, and I think that's actually a very fascinating idea, but you know we all have inheritance? Like, even if you don't have a mom or dad, God says, I'm the father of the fatherless. No matter what, there's an inheritance for you. We have a spiritual inheritance that we receive in Jesus. There's an inheritance of blessing that He gives us. And then there's also things in this world that are not meant for you because it's someone else's inheritance. Yeah? Oh, okay, yeah, like you've been blessed. All of us are humans. God made you to procreate. Yet, yet there's this place where it's called marriage, where romance gets to blossom and that's a holy thing, right? And yet because you've been made a certain way, there's temptation for things that are not that. You've been created to, to multiply and magnify what God has made. Like you've been, you've been made Like, if he gave you a tree, you've been made to till the ground and multiply the seed. Are you following? You've been made to do great things. No matter, even if it's like you're a painter and you're just working at it. Like, you're made to get better as a painter. Are you following? And yet, because you've been made to grow, because you've been made for an inheritance, a blessing in all these ways, it'd be a temptation for another man's inheritance, another man's blessing, and all these things. And we start to look at other people's lives and go, I wish I had that. And then we start to get all like weird. The only reason that's a temptation to even look at another person's things and want that is because you've been made to have something and to grow in something that God has for you. And some of us might say, yeah, but I don't have much, and so I kind of do want other people's stuff. I don't have anything anyways. Um, even if you had a bunch, it's going to be a problem for you. You always have something. You know, this week we had uh, Thanksgiving, and I, um, there's a pastor in San Diego. His name's Miles McPherson, and I just love that guy. He's such a sweetheart. But I saw on my wife's Instagram, he, he, he made a video, and he was talking about giving thanks, and and in in his awesome way, he's so different than me, but you know, he has his bag of almonds or whatever that's like partially empty, and he's like, oh, I could be upset that it's so empty, or I could be really thankful that I still got a few left, you know? And so he does this whole thing. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, sometimes it's really hard for us to be thankful people. Like it really is. Um there's a story in in 1 Kings 20, Naboth's vineyard, and There was a king in Israel, and his name was Ahab. Do we all know who Ahab is? King Ahab? He had a wife. Her name was Jezebel. Um, Maybe think twice if you're going to name your daughter that, you know? Uh, um, But anyways, he's a very rich man. Would you say that his inheritance is like as a human being? Just in the natural sense, like, he, he's a Jew. He, that's a pretty big spiritual inheritance already, okay? He's one of God's people. Like, that's a pretty awesome thing to have in your life. And then on top of it, just in the natural sense, he's the king. He, he, like, he's ruling over, like, a kingdom. He, he's got a lot of resources. He's very well off. So of the kings back then had a lot. Read about Solomon. Like, they had a lot of stuff you understand and and Ahab is the king and then right next to where his palace was there was a vineyard and it was beautiful it was right next to his palace this vineyard he go oh my god the vineyard is so awesome and it was owned by this guy named Naboth and he goes out to him and he's like hey can I can I have your can I have your vineyard like I'll buy it from you or I'll trade you and I'll give you an even better one, you know, which by the way, if it was better, why would he want his so bad, you know, but he says, I'll give you an even better one or I'll pay it, and um, Naboth's like a righteous man, he says, no way, I, I can't sell it to you, even though you're the king, I can't sell it to you, this is an inheritance from my father, this is an inheritance, I, this is my inheritance, this is my family's inheritance, uh, I can't sell this. No way, even if it was for more money. Like, no way. And then it says that um, King Ahab got so upset. I just want to, what is the word it says in here? This is really great. This is right here. It says, yeah, I like this. Verse 4. It says, Ahab laid on his bed sulking and refused to eat he just started sulking. What a word. He was laying on his bed. Oh, I can't even eat. This guy won't even sell me his vineyard. The guy's a king. He's got so much stuff, and yet he sulks like a baby because he can't have something. Any humans? Anybody ever sulk because you don't get what you want? <laughs> sort so of like, I have a four-year-old. This is... This is this is what can happen to, it's not just like, oh, that's just Ahab. The dude wasn't that smart. He married Jezebel. This is, this is a human thing to do. Like, human, you can do this. And it's actually pretty simple to do it. You get so fixated on things in the world or things about, like, whatever, all of a sudden you're not getting what you want and how you want when you want and all this stuff. All of a sudden, no matter what your inheritance is, you forget about it. And all you can see is the very thing you don't have. And then that thankfulness goes right out the door, and all you can do is sulk like a baby. But we're not made for that. Give thanks, the Bible says. Again, I say give thanks. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. How do we get to this place? And I think that there's this, by the way, the rest of the story is wild. Maybe, okay, I'm going to say it in a second. We've got to get to a place where we're not like Ahab, Getting fixated on other people's gifts, on other people's inheritance, on other people's stuff. And yet we begin to see, God, what are you doing in my little life? And can we begin to be thankful even if it's small? Even if your quote-unquote reward for what you're doing you feel is small. Can we begin to see what God is doing and begin to thank him? And join in that story. I remember when I, um, on the side of pastoring, I kind of want to run on this water polo story stuff. But I, when I was in college, I, um, I had this dream. It was my last year of college. I had, oh no, it was right after. I I had just gotten married to Melissa. She's over there. She's awesome. Um, And and I remember I had this dream, and in the dream, there was a guy named John G. Lake, and he was traveling from San Diego, where I lived. He was traveling to La Habra, a city up here. And he was going to be a water polo coach. And he was 22 years old. He was my age at the time. And, and I remember that happening in the dream. And all of a sudden in the dream, I was transported onto this pool deck. On, on this high school water polo pool deck. And I remember looking at the wall, and the wall had all the names of God painted on the wall. El Shaddai, Elohim, all these things, all these names. Jehovah Rapha, God heals, you know, everything. And I'm looking at this wall, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I I look down, and then there's a bench, and there's an old, old Bible, like really old. And I open it up, and in it, there's a pamphlet of the guy who painted all these names, and it says, his name is John G. Lake. And I thought, oh, this this is the guy who 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 did this, and um, it's already five forty five. Anyway, so I I, um, <laughs> I I was tripping out about that five forty five already. Is time flying or is it me? Anyway, so in the dream Bible and the guy who wrote his name is John G. Lake, and I go, this is really weird. And I, I start to read notes. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. This is really. And I and I wake up and I go, I wake up and I go, John G. Lake. And I think I said, who the heck is John G. Lake? I think I literally said that. I woke up going, John G. Lake, John G. Lake. And I spent a good while, I think I said it 20 times. I I just sat there in my bed going, who is John G. Lake? And then all of a sudden it hit me like a lightning bolt in my head. And I go, oh, I remember reading it once in a paragraph filled with names. Isn't that wild? And I go, I remember his name. And I I went back to the book that I was in, and it was a list of these healing revivalists from the early 1900s. And I thought, you know what? This might be a stretch, but I feel like God might want to do something. I feel like God might want us, you know, and I was going to go to seminary and all kinds of stuff, but I thought maybe while I'm going to seminary, I can coach water polo. Maybe, Maybe God wants to do some wild healing stuff at that high school. Maybe that's what it means. Maybe. And I call the coach and I leave him a voicemail. I say, hey, Dave, this is Micah. Just wanted to know if you needed another coach. Would love to help out if you want. Give me a call back. Six months or so later go by, I never hear back from him. Like I didn't hear back from him at all. And then... This day came where Melissa and I decided to move from San Diego up here. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to seminary. And our pastor down there blessed us. And we just, we stepped out in faith. And we came up here. You know what happened the next day? The day after we move up to this area, I get a phone call from that coach. The day after we decided to just step out in faith, even though we didn't even have anything to go on. And he calls me and says, Micah, I've had your message in my voicemail this whole time. He goes, I thought it said Mike. I never knew who to call back. He goes, it just dawned on me. This is six months later. He goes, it just dawned on me. It says Micah. You want to be a coach? And I thought, man, that's crazy. I said, well, maybe God wants to do something. So I began to coach this high school water polo team. And um, crazy stuff started happening. One kid named Blake would wear a chest contraption every night to bed because he had these, these problems with his chest. And I remember praying over him and him getting healed where he didn't have to have the chesting anymore. His mom coming on the pool deck crying about it. Other parents coming on hearing about other kids getting touched by Jesus, weeping to me on the pool deck. I had parents coming over to my house to sit with us and to listen to preaching about Jesus. We had kids, listen to this, kids, one kid goes, man, coach. My arm, and uh, it was Blake. This is the part of the story. But he goes, you know, I'm having these problems, all this stuff. And, and you know, obviously in water polo, they don't wear much, okay? So he, he's standing there, and you could see his, uh, his whole anatomy, you know, like his whole body. And he's standing there, and you could see, well, his one arm is shorter than his other arm. And so every time he did these exercises, he had all these problems. And, and I was like, and I'm thinking in my head, pray for Blake. And I was like, no way, God. Like, this is a public school. Like, that sounds really crazy. And I kept hearing the Lord, Micah, pray for him. And three days or so went by, I kept hearing Micah, pray for him. Every time i see Blake, because, you know, you see him, it's very clear. His right arm is way shorter than his left arm. And I'm like, man, I I don't know. I want to get fired already, you know. It was like a couple months in, like, be the weirdo, you know. And all of a sudden, I was reading my Bible out on the porch, and it said, anything you do not of faith, anything... Done that's not a faith is sin. And I realized, man, I am sinning right now. Like I gotta pray for this guy. And I and I remember going to the pool deck that day and I told Blake, I said, Blake, you're a Christian, right? He said, Yeah. I said, I said, Man, you wanna hear a crazy story? I told him a story and and Blake was like, That's wild. And uh, I said, I said, pray for your arm. Can we pray for you? He said, Yeah. He, he hands me his arms, and another kid is walking by, Emilio, you know, walking by. And as I grab Blake's arms, I just said, I, I was going to pray, a, like, a longer prayer, you know, be official about it. I say, Jesus and as I just start talking, his arm, like, literally grew. And he's standing there. I'm standing there. He puts it down. He's like, oh, like he literally like it was crazy and i was like oh my gosh like that's nuts and then the kid the kid walking by is like you know like oh my god like you know watches the whole thing and then he and then i listen to them and then they go to their little huddle and then i hear the other boys go what happened what happened what did he do and then he goes he just prayed for me and i was like and i'm thinking like that was crazy you know, and, and and then like, you know, anyways, it leads on. Then his mom's coming crying, all kinds of stuff. But then kids started to buy other kids' Bibles. Like the ones that were Christian, there was like a couple. They started to buy the other ones' Bibles, and kids started to take other kids to church. One day I walk on the pool deck, and it's a tournament, and I walk on this pool deck and all of a sudden, I hear screaming in the, in the audience like it was at a game. We were at a, you know, and like all these kids were already there. They're in the bleachers. They're screaming. Oh, my God. They're cheering. There's no game happening. And I walk up. And I was like, what are you guys yelling about, you know? And then they're like, coach, you know, so-and-so just got healed. We were all praying for him. And then they're like wigging out, like wigging out. We had, like, it was crazy. It was crazy in a good way. And um, full-on revival. We had a kid who broke his leg. Mike, were you there that day with, uh, with uh, Caleb Grossman, Mike, when you guys prayed for his leg? Was that you with Andrew? No, Aunt Mike wasn't there. Anyways, my friends were driving around in their car, and then they see one of the water polo kids riding around in a wheelchair. The kid just broke his leg. Like, just broke his leg, like a couple days before. He's wearing a boot, like a removable boot. The dude's rolling around at lunchtime with, like, 20 of his buddies going to eat food off campus. My two or three friends see him. They go, that's one of Micah's water polo kids. You know what their first response was, like, thinking? They go, let's pray for him. They pull the car over. They go, hey, we're Micah's friend, your coach. Like, can we pray for you? And Caleb's like, you know. Yeah, you know. Let's them pray. They said they prayed for him. Then, like, how does it feel? He's like, I don't know. Like, my leg's broken, you know. And then they pray for him again. Like, how does it feel? And he's like, I don't know, you know. And then he takes off the boot. He gets completely healed, guys. Listen to this. He walks. He, there's 20 kids watching this. He puts the boot in the wheelchair, ends up walking it back to campus, okay? The next day, they take him to the doctor, get x-rays, and stuff like that. He's healed. Like, totally healed. Listen, it starts, to spread, it starts to spread around campus. I had, I had teachers asking, what is going on? <laughs> like, it was crazy. Isn't that amazing? But it's just, you know, a $3,000 a year job. Like, like, my wife and I were hungry during that time. Like, I was going to seminary, and we're, like, living, and I remember we were, like, praying for miracles to eat food. Yet, what, what did God have for us in that season? These beautiful things that we got to see. You understand what I'm saying? What is, we all have inheritance. We all have these things that God wants to do or give or he wants to do stuff through our lives, in our lives, even for your life, he wants to give you stuff. But your inheritance isn't necessarily the persons next to you. Like, even from the very beginning, Adam and Eve had a lot of trees they could have eaten from, and there was only one that God said, Don't eat that one. And we've got to be okay with that. Some stuff's not meant for us. You know, some of us are like, man, wait, when my, when, my, when my money budget gets to a certain point, then I'm going to be able to be, listen, y- you got to learn how to give and be happy with what you got, period, period, right there, period, and, and if you think when your budget's a little bigger, then you're going to be whatever, like, everybody's got a budget, dude, even Jeff Bezos, it's a big budget, but even that guy's got a budget, like, everybody's got a budget, you know what I'm saying, like, everybody has a limit, there's is massive, but you get my point. But what is, what, is, what is God doing in your life? You might be a king, and all of a sudden you get fixated on somebody else's vineyard. You know what happened to Ahab when he did that? He got so fixated on someone else's vineyard, and all of a sudden he told, he's sulking. I love that word. It's so funny. He's sulking. <laughs> I can't have this vineyard And he starts not eating. It's like he's fasting to his sulkingness. And he's so upset. And Jezebel sees him. Why are you sulking? You're a king. And he's like, I wanted this vineyard. She's like, you're a king. Don't take this like this is a good thing she's saying. Okay, she was not a good person. She says, you're you're a king. Like, you can have it. Just, Just get up and go eat, and I'll get you that vineyard. And he's like, all right. And he gets up, and she goes, and she writes a letter in his name, seals it in his name, sends it to Naboth's town, tells them, hey, have a fast, put him in a seat of prominence, put two scoundrels next to him, have them say a false testimony against him, and then stone him to death. And they get this letter, they think it's from King Ahab, they do that very thing. They have a whole community gathering thing, fasting Two scoundrels sit next to Naboth. And they said, dude, this guy cursed God. He cursed the king. They took him out and stoned him to death. And then Jezebel says, go get your land. Go get your land. You know what's crazy? Like, that dude did a lot of weird stuff. Even at that time, he was already, like, looking at idols, okay? Like, setting up idols in their country. They were already doing some pretty bad stuff. But up to that point, the prophecy that came to him after this story didn't even happen when he was, like, worshiping other idols yet. But the moment, the Bible says, he sold himself to evil for a vineyard, God said, you're done. Your family's done. Your name is done. And your wife Jezebel will be fed to dogs or a vineyard, when he's a king. We get caught up on small stuff all the time as humans. But it's a big thing to get caught up in small stuff when we completely don't see the inheritance, the beautiful inheritance that each of us have. Don't get caught up on what you don't have. Don't get caught up on if it's not enough or this or that. Everything, listen, you're you're not made to just You're not made to get an orchard. You're made to get a tree or a seed and then grow. Like, you're made to grow. We're all made to grow. It's okay. Put your hand to the plow and work like a good person. You understand what I'm saying? And don't be upset when it's like, well, it's not this size or I don't have this. Just do good. Love God. Walk humbly. Love your neighbor. It's going to turn out okay. Okay. But don't get caught up in these things where all of a sudden that becomes so big, we can't even thank God for the great thing that's right next to us. The lack, the pain, the fighting, the whatever becomes so big, we miss the blessing that God has given us already that we can steward and grow. You guys with me? All right. I want to pray for you because now it's six. The band up here, let's, I think they sing a song, and I'm just going to bless you guys. By the way, I preached to the, uh, the whole athletic, all the athletic students. At Bio- it's a funny story. I just, I, I preached to all the athletic students. I was like, man, I get to preach to all the athletic students, and then I misunderstood their time constraint, and I ended up only preaching for 15 minutes when I was supposed to preach for like 45 and then like I ended and like I walked off, you know. And, uh, and then uh, I had no idea, you know. And then we all end. And then I had a bunch of my water polo guys come up and I'm like, dude, that was awesome. It was so quick and awesome. And uh, and I go, I go, quick. I'm, I'm like, oh god. I'm like, what do you mean? And I realized like I completely misunderstood the time frame. I was all embarrassed, but it was funny. Um, oh, I'm gonna pray for you, Father. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you that each of us, God, just speak personally, just sometimes you need to do the repeat after me thing. Say, God, I am thankful for the inheritance you've given me. Thank you for the blessings that I have right now. Now let me pray for you. Father, I just pray that the seeds in our pocket, I pray this for you. I pray the seeds in your pocket aren't considered to be worthless or small. I pray they're seen for the potential that they are. I pray that the blessings that you have right now are seen for what they are. And I pray that God blesses everything you put your hands to and causes it to prosper let's sing a let's sing a song together